0: You're hanging out after hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Well, I don't quite know what to tell y'all. Um, I'm getting I'm getting sick and tired of coming on this show every Monday and the Gamecocks having another another loss. So uh, I guess to kind of bury bury the lead here, the Gamecocks lost. 30 to 17 this past Saturday at College Station against the Texas A&M Aggies. Um, you know we'll go play by play like we always do. It's tough, but um, if you want to have a silver lining, the Gamecocks, the Gamecocks did cover, um, cover the spread. Um, you know, thank you to Jimbo Fisher for you know not kicking that field goal to, to make it a push. If you bet on the Gamecocks, which I don't know. I don't really know who did that. Um, I mean, if you did, kudos to you. You know, for having the faith. But yeah, so the Gamecocks lost by 13 points. Um, you know, just looking at looking at the game here, we'll just we'll do a couple. We'll do a little bit of play by play, like we always do, because I think it's important to kind of kind of remember how the game unfolded. So Gamecocks were winning seven nothing after the first quarter. Um, in, in typical Gamecock fashion this season, uh, they couldn't hold on to a lead. Now, in the second quarter, the Gamecocks gave up 21 consecutive points to Texas A&M. They went into halftime trailing 21-7. to seven. Uh, For better or for worse, the Gamecocks did receive the opening kickoff of the second half. So, the Gamecocks had an opportunity there to try and get some points back, kind of get Excuse me, a little a little more connected. Um, the third quarter went three points, three points. Uh, teams just traded field goals. Um, final, final quarter, Gamecocks got it within seven, uh, got the score to um, 24 to 17, I guess. And then um, A&M had um, two field goals in the second half, or the second, the fourth quarter. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so the Gamecocks and the offense. Started out pretty hot, or not started out, the defense started out pretty hot. Um, forced a punt on the first possession. I thought that the Gamecocks really really got after Max Johnson and, and got the better end of the Texas A&M offensive line. Um, just going through it, um, you had an incomplete pass. You had a run for three yards, another incomplete pass. The Gamecocks get the ball back, or the first possession of the game. Gamecocks get the ball to South Carolina 46. Um, completion of Mario Anderson for three yards. Mario Anderson runs for two yards, and then um, incomplete pass to Nick Harbour. Um, really tough drop for, for Nick Harbour, and I know he wishes he had that one back. And you know, the Gamecocks have the ball. The Texas A&M 49, fourth and 49 4th and They're forced to punt. Kai Kroger has one of his better punts of the season for 49 yards. Uh, moving through here, the Gamecocks forced another punt. Um, got the ball back and scored a touchdown and you know let's let's all celebrate the, the touchdowns the Gamecocks have this year. Um, you know Nick Harbor kind of made up for his for his drop on the previous previous possession 10 um, yard pass on third and nine to give the Gamecocks a first down Mario Anderson um, had a completed pass for 18 yards. Um, Gamecocks kind of benefited there um, you know for a little bit and after second and 12 third and 13. Uh, Nicholas Harbor, thir- a 17-yard completion. Um, Mario Anderson again. I mean, that that entire the entire drive seemed like it was the Mario Anderson, Nicholas Harbor show. Which, you know, is fine. I mean, Nicholas Harbor needs to needs to come on. I think that he that you're seeing that right now over the last couple of games. Uh, DeCarion came in third and goal from the A&M five, uh, was able to get down to the one, and then um, had a one-yard rush to get the Gamecocks. Uh, 7 nothing lead. Gamecocks forced another punt. So the Gamecocks forced three punts on A&M's first three possessions. Uh, can't do much better than that. Um, was really excited for the way the Gamecocks were playing. But, again, you know, Gamecocks, three plays, negative eight yards, been in 35 off the clock. Um, weren't able to capitalize on on Texas A&M punching the football. Um, Texas A&M answers with a touchdown, makes it 7-7. Gamecocks go... Three plays, negative 11 yards and 57 seconds. Uh, a gets the ball back. Another touchdown, AM. So 14-7 to seven at that point. Gamecocks have three straight drives with negative yards. Four plays, negative four yards, 39 seconds. a um, and obviously, is able to capitalize into the half. You know, maybe the kid stepped out of bounds. Maybe he didn't, um, but just poor tackling by the Gamecocks, and you know, 42 yards should never happen. The way that that touchdown was scored, with a guy running wide open over, over the middle of the field, runs all the way to the sideline, makes five Gamecocks miss it felt like, and makes three more miss on the way into the end zone. The Gamecocks are down 21 to 7 at halftime. Gamecocks come out, um, start the, start the second half with a field goal, makes it 21 to 10. Um, nice little drive there, 10 plays, 43 yards, Um Four minutes off the clock, force another A&M punt, and then Gamecocks just do what the Gamecocks have done lately. Three plays, two yards, and 53 seconds. Um, I, I don't know what the Gamecocks are have to do. I mean, if I, if I did, I would be a, a coach in the SEC. I would, you know, preferably be a coach for South Carolina. But, you know, having <clears throat> four straight possessions with a cumulative negative yards and less than four minutes off the clock is, is not the way you're going stay to stay in the game, especially on the road against Texas A&M. But A&M kicks another field goal, makes it 24-10, 13 plays, 75-yard drive, six and a half minutes off the clock. Gamecocks battle back, like we talked about. They made it 24-17. Um, seven plays, 77 yards in less than three minutes. Um, you know, Kudos to Josh Simon for getting open in the end zone. Kudos to Spencer Rattler for finding him. Um, really made it a game. It was 24-17 at that point. Um, the Gamecocks kind of used up all of their, their forced punts on AM and m and a made it 27-17 to, to with the field goal. South Carolina turned the ball over on downs. I think that was the right move for South Carolina to go for it on that fourth and one. Um, just tough. I mean, another another drive, four plays, seven yards, a minute and seventeen seconds. Um, really not a great punt there by Kai Kroger. A um, and M has the ball. Go up thirty seventeen, and and that was the ball game. You know, it's 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 hard to be a Gamecock right now. It's really hard to be a Gamecock because you know, you, you you see that they gave up. You know, only nine points to Texas A&M in the second half. And in any traditional season, and you guys in the chat box, tell me if I'm wrong here, but if I were to tell you you were going to go on the road and only give up nine points in the second half, you would have a pretty daggum good feeling about the Gamecocks winning that game. And, you know, I, I'm going to go back and look, and I'll see how many points Missouri scored in the second half on the road for the Gamecocks. But um, we'll pull that up real quick. In the second half, Missouri scored 10 points. So the Gamecocks have given up 19 points in the second half combined over the last two games, and they haven't been within a touchdown. Uh, that, I mean, just – I don't know what happens in the first half this year, but something's happening with the defense. Something's happening with the offense not being able to continue drives. I, I feel bad for the offense, especially the offensive line because I think the Dowell Loggins is having to call plays with, you know, essentially two hands tied behind his back. Spencer Rattler's being forced to, to try and complete passes when, you know, honestly, y'all, he might have two guys blocking on his offensive line, and if a team brings five, six guys, or even four guys, the Gamecocks are, are not able to, to make the necessary blocks for Spencer Rattler to be able to see the field. Um I don't I don't love Spencer having three intentional groundings in the in the first half or whatever it was in the game against Texas A&M but it happened. Um I think that's somebody that's trying to salvage yards for a punt and I don't I don't know what what to do with that. One second my wife is calling me. One second, y'all. I apologize for this. This is um what you get when you get live entertainment. Um, all right. I'll have to I'm gonna have to call her back later or text her back later. She um she's watching the show. Um, so guys, can y'all hear me? By the way, uh, my wife says that got you on YouTube, but I can't hear you. The volume is up. Not sure if it's an issue just for me. Um, yeah. Um, Big Red, can you hear me? I see you. I see you in the in the chat box here. Just wondering if you can if you can hear me, Craig. Can you hear me? You're all, Craig. Okay, great. So, Big Red can hear me. I know Craig and Carolina Titan are always here for me, so I appreciate that. I appreciate um, my wife supporting me and watching the show. So that that's good. Let me let me text her really quick and let her know that y'all can hear me. Oh man, um, never had a doubt that y'all can hear me though. Phil Phil Mullinex is the is the best in the best in the business. That's a producer. So anyway, um, Gamecocks have given them 19 points in um, the last two games in the second half. That should be enough for the Gamecocks to win. Um, I'll turn my hat around really quick. Um, I am wearing a Willie B hat um, established in 1934. Um, <laughs> yeah, Big Red, maybe maybe, maybe your volume's off. I don't know. But Gamecocks are headed back home now um, to the friendly confines of Williams-Brice Stadium. You know, in a, in a normal year, and you know, you'd hope that these are get-right games for the Gamecocks, um, with the opportunity to to have a November game against essentially a you know a buy game. And what I mean by buy game is you're paying Jacksonville State to come into williams Rice Stadium to play the Gamecocks. I really hope that you know the Gamecocks can find a way to win that game. Then you win Vanderbilt, and you're looking at four and six. You got Kentucky coming into Williams-Brice, and then Clemson. The Gamecocks have zero room for error at this point (laughs) in the season. Uh, Gamecocks have got to rally off four in a row. And, you know, as we look look towards the future, and, you know, I'll give some kind of Jacksonville State preview on on Thursday night's show, but as you look to the future, there is a lot to rally behind around, you know, potentially playing the hardest schedule in the country. I haven't looked at the metrics here lately, but um, the Gamecocks – you know, at one point in the season had had the hardest schedule in the country. I, I dare say that it's still probably one of the top five hardest schedules in the country thus far. If you can find a way to, to rally and win four in a row, get to a bowl game, you know, maybe not have to play a Power Five team that, that you know, it's going to be difficult for the Gamecocks. Um, maybe you make it seven and six. Um, Shane Beamer would have gone to a bowl game three consecutive years um potentially would become the all time leading win leading quarterback or coaching co have the most coaching wins in his first three years in the program hit program's history. Um there's a lot you can still sell on the recruiting trail um and just say, hey, you know, we're we're a handful of guys away from getting over the getting over the getting over the edge there, getting over the hump. You know, I don't I don't know what to say about Clayton White right now. Um, I don't know what to say about Dowell Loggins. I I don't think the talent level is where it needs to be. But at some level, I think that that does fall on coaches. Um, Coaches have got to find a way to scheme players to be in in the best position possible to be successful. Um, And and thus far, you know, whether it's a talent level, maybe it's going against better teams. um, The Gamecocks have not have not done that. So, you know, we'll have plenty of time you know, over the next four weeks and, you know, hopefully the Gamecocks go to a bowl game to talk about, you know, the off season and, and what could happen, what might happen, even what should happen. You know, we, we, we just don't know right now, but you know, I want to check in on the, on the, on the comment box here, see what you guys have, are saying. Um, so Craig says, Hey, Hey, what's up, Craig? Um, big red says, Hey, Matt, what's up, big red? Yeah. Sorry. I missed your call earlier day. I was still at work. Um, big red, I actually know in, in real life. I actually know Craig now actually on social media. So, um happy to see you guys in the chat tonight. Uh, John Edward Kruger says this team isn't good. Just beat Clemson and don't lose to Vandy Jacksonville State. Yeah, it, it's one of those seasons right now with Carolina and Clemson and yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of pride on the table in my opinion, you know, when the Gamecocks and and the Tigers do battle at Williams-Bryce Stadium at the end of November. Um, both teams have not had the season they thought they were going to have. Both teams um, have probably underachieved, you know, to what they were where they should be. And I think on on both sides of this, it, it, a lot of it comes down to coaching. And the Gamecocks and the Tigers, you know, unfortunately, Clemson has four wins. They only need two more to get the bowl eligibility. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but I think that Clemson still has – Notre Dame, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and South Carolina on their schedule. So you know, it's not going to be easy for either team. You know, it would be it would be glorious if um, South Carolina could find a way to win their next four, cap it off with a win over Clemson, you know, carry some momentum into the offseason. I think that's what we're looking for. Uh, Caroline Titan says this team needs to do better before apathy sets in on this fan base. <laughs> Let's at least be excited for these last four games. Absolutely. Um, Apathy, especially at the end of Will Muschamp's tenure as a South Carolina head football coach, had definitely set in. Um, You know, I think a lot of this season, too, has to do with the fact that there's not been a lot of home games. I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but I think only Furman and Mississippi State have been home games so far this year. So uh, it's been a lot of Gamecocks watching from afar, um, whether it be the neutral site game against Charlotte, um, you know, obviously the road games the Gamecocks have faced so far this season. Um, you know, it's it's really easy for apathy to set in when you're not in williams Bryce and you're not around your fellow Gamecock fans and friends. You're not around the team. You're kind of watching from afar. So um, I, definitely, I definitely see that being something that's happening right now. Um, Craig says, hope you get some guys back this week. If our fans can't see, we have been decimated. I don't know what to tell them plus fifty four freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Um I was having this conversation with my brother um during the Missouri game and you know there there's this saying in in football where the third year is just the, the hardest year um for for a lot of a lot of coaches because you know you've when that third year comes around you're kind of losing the talent that was already on the roster from the previous staff. You probably didn't have a great recruiting class, you know, your first year as as the head coach because you didn't have much time to recruit. I mean, face it, um, Shane Beamer, you know, whether we want to give him a hard time or not, um, decided to stick with Oklahoma through their playoff run. I don't know if that would have, you know, made more players stick around the program. I don't know if it would have made, you know, more recruits come. But definitely, that third year is tough, and it it's only exacerbated right now by the fact that there is a free transfer. There is the the NIL. There is the transfer portal. Um, There are opportunities for kids to kind of cut bait in ways that there there weren't in the past. So, you know, looking back at at Shane's first recruiting class, I think it was ranked in the 70s in the country. Um, You know, they did a good job in the transfer portal, but a lot of those guys are gone now. Um, You know, obviously the Gamecocks are kind of playing catch-up in the NIL arena. Um, Gamecocks aren't necessarily in a position to go just for lack of a better way to say it, you know, just go buy the best players on the transfer portal. Um, and, and where the holes are, are, are places that are, are tough to get in the transfer portal. I mean, there's only X amount of offensive linemen that are going to leave their current situation to go play somewhere else. And, you know, a lot of times those guys are, are looking to be the missing piece on an offensive line that, you know, has championship aspirations. You know, a lot of teams might be looking for a left tackle, a left guard, um, right tackle, right guard, center. I mean, go down the offensive line, but there's not a there's not a big opportunity to get those guys, and it's a very competitive landscape to get them. Same thing with you know defensive ends. I mean, my gosh, could South Carolina use some some defensive ends and even defensive tackles? You know, going into the season, I didn't think that the defensive tackle uh, position was going to be as big as a, you know, as lacking as it has been so far this this season. Um, you know, but those, those guys carry a, a hefty price tag. I mean, even trying to keep Jordan Birch, and, you know, I'm not going to go into the numbers of what he got, but it was it was more money than I'm going to make in the next three years in my career. I'll just be honest and tell you that. And that that's for one season. And the Gamecocks were competitive with Jordan Birch. Um, you know, it wasn't like the Gamecocks were, you know, far off of the number he was going to get from Oregon, but you know, it, it just worked out that way. And I had a conversation with um, JB and Phil on on their show this past Wednesday, and we just talked about how, you know, the guys that the Gamecocks lost in the transfer portal. You know, obviously Jordan Birch, Gilbert Edmonds. And then, you know, losing Zach Pickens to the NFL draft, you know, how much better would the Gamecocks defensive line be right now? And, you know, my point to JB was, you know, that has Jordan Birch lit the world on fire at Oregon? No. And, and you know, has Gilbert Edmonds lit the world on fire at Florida State? No. And that was kind of JB's point was saying, like, you know, what did South Carolina actually lose by losing those players? And my only, you know, counter thought there to JB, who does a really great job, and I respect the heck out of him, is, you know, competition breeds excellence. And, you know, maybe this defensive line would be a little bit better if there was a Jordan Birch in front of somebody and somebody had to work a little bit harder to break into the depth chart. Yeah, I don't know. But right now, South Carolina, I mean – defensive tackle, I guess all those guys are going to come back. I don't know where they would go, Um, but, you know, Jordan Birch had what two and a half sacks last year and, and he got a sizable amount of money through the transfer portal. Gilbert Edmonds had a hand, maybe a handful of sacks, maybe a handful of tackles for loss. And, you know, he got more money than I make in a year to go to Florida state and, and, you know, be a, be a depth piece. So college football is getting very competitive from an NIL landscape and, and the Gamecocks are clearly behind there. Um, but, yeah, so going back to my point, you know, and what Craig's point was, uh, 54 freshmen and sophomores, those guys are learning and, you know, they're, they're playing through the fire and they've got to figure it out. And they're going to be better next year, hopefully. You know, if the coaching staff is able to, able to, to you know, get these kids up to speed and, and get them better every single week of practice, get them bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, we're really relying on a lot of these guys right now and and it kind of makes sense why you might see a, a year 3 kind of drop off. Uh big red says offensive line is decimated with injuries, absolutely. Um yeah, I'll have to ask my wife if she tried um turning the um plugging it in or whatever. Um let's see. She said, "Okay, sorry, must be an issue for me." Turned off and on and tried several several things, super weird. So, we've had internet issues at our house um who knows all right so carolina titan says i think everyone understands the injuries but these coaches need to do better developing players and evaluating talent and the transfer portal <clears throat> there's no way we should be in this predicament i i i have a lot of a lot of agreement there with you carolina titan and titan um yeah uh, these kids are young they're going to figure out a way um Let's see, Caroline, uh, Big Red says, Carolina Titan, no doubt. We're beyond all at this point. It's been hard to find any NFL caliber talent on the defense. This team doesn't look like they've given up, so that's nice. Yeah, the team has definitely not given up at all. Um, and that's not something that I could have said about the end of Will Muschamp's error at South Carolina. Uh, the players had given up. They were opting out. Um, I know that COVID was tough for a lot of people, players included, Um you know, fans included in their personal lives. But, you know, I have seen what seems to be a little bit more of entitlement from a lot of these kids. I have seen that, you know, they will quit on you. But this team has not done that. There's not a single player on the team that has quit. And I think that's a testament to Spencer Rattler. For Spencer to continue getting up off the ground nearly every drop back and fighting hard and, and you know, really – you know, Spencer's earned his NIL. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, that kid is just he, – he's something else, and he leads by example, and he leads, you know, with his voice. And I couldn't be more proud of Spencer. I couldn't be more proud of the example he's setting. And, and you know, hopefully hopefully you see these kind of moments, and these kind of moments are what builds character in a program. And sometimes you have to have that down year for players to see, no, we're expected to get back up each time. And while Spencer's legacy might not be what it could have been, what some might argue it should have been, um, the way that Spencer's playing right now, the way that Xavier Leggett is just leaving it all out on the field, the way the defense is playing. I mean, they are setting a standard for South Carolina, and and right now the talent might just not be good enough. Um, Glenn Melton says – Football is like a puzzle until all the pieces fit together. The picture will not look right. Coach Beamer needs to do a reevaluation at the end of the season and find what pieces are not fitting correctly and make the necessary changes. Team has plenty of young talent that can be made into good football players. Absolutely, Glenn. I agree with you. I think that there is talent on this team. I think that some of that talent's young. I mean, just look at what Nicholas Harbour's done in the past couple weeks, and, and people don't like to talk about it, but even Alshon Jeffrey, when he came to South Carolina and, you know, he was a top 100 kid, but he wasn't necessarily a five-star. And it took until, you know, the fifth, sixth game of the year for him to really break out as a freshman. And you're kind of seeing that from Nicholas Harbor. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into the NIL stuff, but there's been some rumors on the big spur, you know, folks kind of talking on the message boards that, Oh, we're going to lose Nicholas Harbor. I don't think that's the case. I think that, um, Nicholas is Nicholas is really happy at South Carolina. He's a hard worker. He's the kind of guy that can kind of sell, set the standard for what it means to be a South Carolina player. Um, Big Red says Birch didn't do much here. I never saw that mean streak in him. At least that's what I was, I remember. Yeah, Big Red, I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, Jordan Birch was always you know five star off the bus, and he had flashes. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know what happened with Jordan Birch. He he would be that one guy that was a five-star that just didn't paint out at South Carolina, and I'll never understand why. The kid could run a 4-5-40. He was strong. He was good. I don't know if he was put in bad positions, but um, Jordan Birch, is a, he had the opportunity to be a really, really good player, and you, know, you kind of go back to like Xavier Thomas at Clemson, and they're very similar type body styles, and you know, neither of them really panned out, so I don't know why that why that happened. Uh, Craig Godwin, need Juice to come. I'm, I'm assuming that, that Craig means that we need Juice to come back next year. Uh, that, that's on the table. Uh, Juice, he loves South Carolina. He loves to play football. Um, he understands, you know, what could possibly be at stake by going pro. Um, he has not made enough money at South Carolina to, to walk away from football and be okay. Um, I think that, you know, if he plays his cards right in the NIL game, that he could make even more money next year than he's made this year, even without putting, you know, a full season on tape. But uh, he he has to get healthy first and foremost. And and I'll just be honest, I don't see Juice playing for South Carolina again this year. Um, I don't think it's in his best interest. I don't think it's in South Carolina's best interest. Um, He needs to get fully healthy and then make that determination of what he can put on film. Or not on film, what he can do, and, and at pro days, you know, if he gets invited to the combine, like what kind of speed metrics he can put up, how strong he is, he's gonna have to make a very difficult decision because going into this season, I really did think that he had he had the potential to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft, and you know, injuries kind of derailed that for him, and I feel for him like crazy. Um VK says Burt seemed to figure out defensive imposition the last few games, never got sacked, but was pushing tackle back into the pocket. And look, you know, that's the kind of thing that NFL teams look for, VK. Um NFL teams are looking for activity and the ability to disrupt plays. It's you know, there's every every snap doesn't result in a sack or a tackle for loss. I mean, even Tennessee, who's done a really good job of that this year, you know, will have a combined on average like ten to twelve tackles for loss and sacks, but they're still very disruptive at the line of scrimmage and and forcing quarterbacks to make kind of tough decisions and, and maybe even be erratic with the football. I, um, I was talking to JB about that, and, you know, JB and I were just talking on the show on Wednesday, and, you know, we were talking about, like, what if you took all the turnovers away from the last two defenses for South Carolina? with South Carolina being the same position they're in right now. And I think a lot of that starts with being able to pressure the football. I think a lot of that starts with, you know, making the quarterback have to make decisions. Um, You know, thus far, um, thus far, you know, I haven't seen that happen. The Gamecocks have had some trouble getting after the pass rusher. But look, um, they got after Mac- Max Johnson. They got after him at A&M and, Obviously, Jacksonville State's not going to have the offensive line Texas A&M does. Furman doesn't have that kind of offensive line. I don't think Kentucky has that offensive line, and obviously Clemson doesn't. So, so we'll we'll have we'll have to see we'll have to see what happens these next four weeks. I'm I'm excited. I'm kind of just flushing the last eight games. The last eight games mean nothing for the rest of the season. Um, Gamecocks don't have to leave Columbia the rest of the way. And all we can really hope for is that the home crowd gets gets excited and gets after it, and Gamecocks kind of get their two tune-up games against Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt before they have to play Kentucky and Clemson. And that's normally how a season starts, you know, having your two your two tune-up games before you play Georgia, and you're two and zero, and you might fall to two and one or something like that. But uh, Gamecocks are going to really really need to get healthy first and foremost, and going to have to. You know, get some identity back these next two games leading into the the Kentucky and Florida game. Uh, VK, yeah, Burch, you're Burt, you're right. Birch did play defensive tackle his first year, defensive end his last two years. Yeah, I played skis the schedule. Um, I know that. I mean, so Jordan Burch is actually from Florence originally, where I'm from and where I where I still live. Um, so I live in Florence, South Carolina, and you know he he transferred to Columbia and he played with he played with Boogie Huntley over at I think he was at Hammond. So. Yeah, Jordan Birch was probably that athletic freak that, and everyone said he was going to need more time to get acclimated to college football, and that's that's 100% the case. And same thing with Nicholas Harbor. You know, he did he didn't play skiza, but you know he did play defensive end and tight end. and He moved to wide receiver, and now you're seeing <clears throat> our kind of the patience and the coaching staff and the development pay off for him. Um, <clears throat> Craig says need juice to come back with um, Blake Russell, Mazio, and I'd like to see Horton come on as well. Yeah, Kyle Lick-Horton's kind of that guy to me that can be an X-factor. He has all the athleticism in the world, um, still making that jump. I mean, even from Skeza, um, you know, Kyle horton was playing eight-man football in high school, which is, you know, just a step above flag football. So um, Kyle Lick-Horton has a chance. I think Omega's flashed. I think that, you know, Omega's not ready to be the go-to guy right now, and thankfully he doesn't have to be with Xavier really get. Uh, Gamecocks just got to get healthy. Um, yeah, the Gamecocks can get Juice, Blake, Russell, Mazio, Horton, um, Nicholas Harbour. Obviously, they're still in the game with um, Braylon Staley, uh, Tennessee commitment. I don't feel very great about that one right now, but he, he's at least receptive to the Gamecocks. <clears throat> you know, it it really stings losing a player like Jonathan Paler, who could have been kind of that Swiss Army knife. Um, I was... I was pretty bummed when Jonathan Paler went somewhere else because Jonathan Paler is the only high school recruit that I've ever interviewed. And, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff off the record, a lot of stuff on the record, and I was pretty daggum sure he was coming to South Carolina. (laughs) But, you know, wide receivers gonna have to they're gonna have to go to the portal as well. Um, and the portal can give it and it can take it. You know, I mean a guy like Eddie Lewis, who has, you know, a decent amount of talent I mean, not the world beater by any stretch, but you know, how much does he care about being in South Carolina? How much does he care about trying to make the NFL? Like, what, where are his priorities right now? And it sucks because he's a guy that could really help the Gamecocks, but he's not doing what he's doing in practice. And even in games while he's flashed, it's hard to rely on a kid like that. And, and a lot of people get mad about the Gamecocks, you know, not really playing Eddie Lewis. But, you know, my counterpoint to that would be what's the point? He's here for one year, and if he can't be a practice guy, if he can't do what's expected of him um, as a as a football player at University of South Carolina, what kind of example is that setting for the younger guys? At some point, you got to cut bait with what you know, maybe some talent to to kind of set the foundation for what you're looking for over the next coming years. And I think that's every bit of the Lewis player right now. Uh, VK said that I like the 3-3 stack. They used to get pressure. The D-line seemed to get better push in that setup also in the limited sets. Willis has speed and other linebackers don't have to get pressure. But um, John Willis really did flash. I thought he was a pretty good player on Saturday against Texas A&M. And people need to remember, he's still a young kid as well. He's in his second year in college football. He's you know, left an SEC program at Ole adjustment there. We all know that Ole Miss doesn't play, you know, that much defense. And there might have been, you know, just some adjustment for him, but he's still got a promising future. Um, he's a kid that's already used his transfer, so he's going to be at South Carolina and, you know, grow and develop him. But... um yeah, I mean, it's hard to do these kind of shows when the Gamecocks lose as much as they have and, and trying to be positive. I saw some threads on the Big Spur talking about, like, insiders and, you know, sunshine pumping. And I, and I hope that I never sunshine pump you guys. I'm never trying to do that. All I can tell you is, you know, what I've heard and what I've seen and, you know, what I think about it. And I don't think the Gamecocks are that far off. And, you know, it seems like it at 2-6 and six overall, 1-5 and five in the conference. I can tell you that the coaching staff has not lost faith. The locker room has not lost faith. They they see the opportunity of these next four games and, you know, just where they are, and you can't change the past. But um, what other what other questions do you do all have? I'm just interested if you all have any thoughts, questions, you know, things that we can talk about on the show. Um, you know, looking through the stat line, um, South Carolina held – a&M to 354 total yards. Um, based on A&M so far this year, they've they've scored one point for every 12.3 yards of offense. So theoretically, it's, Gamecocks probably should have only given up 28-ish points. Gave up 30. Uh, the biggest issue was the Gamecocks, you know, just not able to sustain drives, and the offensive line had a big had a big part of that. Spencer Rattler was 20 of 33 for 176 yards, passing the touchdown, no interceptions. Mario Anderson had another good game, 16 carries for 72 yards. It's a shame that the Gamecocks only had 33 yards rushing on, on the day when you have Spencer seven carries for negative 42 yards. Nicholas Harbor, six catches, 59 yards. Mario Anderson's been... You know, great out of the backfield this year, three catches for 33 yards. Trey Knox getting in the action. Um, it always hurts when Xavier can only go for three catches for 20 yards. Um, that's not what, you know, you come to expect from Xavier Leggett. get. Um, and I really hope that he can get healthy because he's having such a great year and, and getting on NFL radar. But, you know, Xavier has 41 catches for 756 yards, averaging 18.4 yards a catch, even despite, you know, the bad game that he had this week. Um, Carolina held A&M to only 105 yards rushing. I can guarantee you that wasn't the game plan for a They wanted to run the ball more, especially when they ran the ball 40 times. Uh, Max Johnson just had a kind of an okay game, 20 of 30. He had a lot of yards after the catch that kind of bolstered his passing yardage numbers. Uh, yeah, it, just a tough game. Tough game all the way around. I mean, looking at this, South Carolina actually got three sacks and and seven tackles for loss. And if you had told me that the that the Gamecocks would have, you know, a total of ten tackles for loss between sacks and you know hitting somebody in the backfield and give up nine points in the second half, I would have told you South Carolina would have won the game. So sometimes you just gotta do what Steve Spurrier said and and remember that, you know, sometimes the the sun shines on the Gamecocks. Sometimes God smiles on the Gamecocks and. You know, maybe we used all that luck up with Spurrier, but um, let's see. We got, oh yeah, we got some comments in here. Thank you guys. Thank you. Uh, Caroline Titan says there's definitely talent in this roster. Yeah, Jalen Kilger is going to be a stud in the future. I'm I'm not a big fan of saying like this freshman is going to, you know, just rock the college football world like Marcus Lattimore did as a freshman. But Gamecocks do have really good offensive line class coming in. That's obviously a weakness for South Carolina. Um, Solomon, I've been saying this for, for a while. I think that Lewis Solomon's a three and done type player. Um, he's going to be a lot, he's going to be a, in the Jalen Kilgore mode, but he, or, um, mold, but he's going to be, um, a a defensive back where South Carolina desperately needs somebody to step in. Um, so yeah, there is talent, Carolina Titan. I agree with you. Uh, Glenn Melton and Glenn, is that, um, is that a South Lawrence logo? Um, If it is, go Bruins. I'm a South Lawrence alumnus and really looking forward to their playoff run. Uh, Looking forward to seeing Lenore Sellers getting to play a few snaps before the end of the season. Young man has a gun for an arm and can run. feel sorry for some of our opponent's secondaries because once he is past the D-line, he'll be hard to tackle. Kind of reminds me of um, Jefferson of Arkansas. So he's talking about K.J. Jefferson as far as physical physical playmaking, although I will say Sellers has the better arm. Yeah, this is another case where I'm going to tell you, um, I'm not sunshine pumping with this, and it's not because I'm, I went to South Lawrence. The coaching staff is very high on Lenora Sellers, and next year's offense is going to look a lot different than this year's offense. There's going to be a lot more running of the quarterback, and Lenora Sellers, you know, yeah, is he going to have some growing pains? Probably. Does every quarterback that starts in the SEC going to have some growing pains? Yeah. Um, but Lenora Sellers has the opportunity to be a a really really good player for South Carolina and one I'm very happy that Gamecocks got um and this isn't coming from South Carolina I'll tell you that you know there are recruiting experts out there that say that if they could redo their their um recruiting rankings from last year the Lenora Sellers would 100% be a top 20 player in the country and no doubt five star and probably one of the top quarterbacks in the in the recruiting class, so don't let don't let you know some message board people say that Gamecock insiders are sun, sunshine pumping there. Lenore's is gonna be really really good. Um, uh, Carolina Titan says Matt, do you think Simon is the better tight end? He seems like more physical, like the more physical player to me. Yes, I absolutely do think that Josh Simon is better than Trey Knox. I think that he fits the Gamecock offense better. I don't have an answer for why Trey Knox is continuing to play. I don't think it's nepotism. I know that Trey Knox came from Arkansas, where um, Dowell Loggins coached him and Justin Stepp recruited him. I think that Trey Knox is a very, very smart football player and helps out the offense in a multitude of ways, but I think Joshua Simon is a better player. And as of right now, Simon has another year of eligibility, and I expect him to come back. Um, So um, I am excited for Josh Simon's future. Um, Craig says, if a miracle happens and we finish with four wins and make a bowl, There would be no reason for Rattler to play, right? Let Sanellers get a game under his belt. It would be a lowly bowl. Uh, Good luck getting Spencer Rattler not to play in that game, Craig. Um, I think that, you know, in that moment, Spencer wants to put one more really, really good game on tape, you know, against a lowly team or not. um, Spencer's still auditioning for the NFL as things stand right now, and he's put a lot of good things on tape. He's put some questionable decisions on tape, but the NFL understands what he's working with from an offensive line standpoint. But I, I, I think that Spencer would play. And hopefully at that point, the Gamecocks are up by a bunch. Spencer puts some good numbers up, but, you know, Lenore Sellers, and there, there's still some confusion right now on if the bowl game is going to count as four games played for somebody that would like to redshirt. And right now I don't know the answer. Um, last year, you were able to play a fifth game and still a redshirt. I don't know if that would be the case. I know that the Gamecock coaching staff would probably like to get Lenores in the game against Vanderbilt and against Jacksonville State. I think that would put him at four games for the season. Um, I don't know. I, guys, how many games did Lenores play then? You guys might know better than me. It, it might only be the Furman game. I can't remember. So if it's the Furman game, then you'd have Furman, Jacksonville State, You'd have Vanderbilt, potentially. And then you'd have the bowl game or maybe Kentucky-Clemson. Um, yeah, so so Craig, if a miracle happens to finish with four wins, I think that the Gamecock coaching staff is going to 100% win the bowl game to get a winning record. Uh, Big Red says that he's most worried about the secondary next year. How much improved could they be? I think they can be pretty improved, honestly. Uh, Torian Gray has a really good track record of developing players. I think that um, – you know, you have Akari Swan, you have Jalen Kilgore. You got some guys that aren't playing a lot this year um, that, you know, could probably play more next year. I think that, um, you know, you got obviously Julius Solomon coming in. Uh, I think the secondary, you know, right now I'm not going to sit here and say the secondary is going to be, you know, world beater, but I do think the secondary could be better. I think there will be more athleticism next year in the secondary. Uh, David Barnes says, why is Luke Doty still getting significant snaps at wide receiver? Doesn't feel like he's had a target since the Georgia game. You know, David, I've thought about this a good bit. And I know that Dowell Loggins wants to put things on tape. And, you know, I hesitate to say this, but I don't think any of our opponents are watching this particular live stream or we will go back and and find this episode and, and sit through 45 minutes to get to this point. But I thought that South Carolina put a lot on tape with Luke Doty against Georgia. And I felt for a long time that there's going to be a play that Luke Doty makes passing the ball from the wide receiver or the slop, slot slot um, on position, you know, pre-snap. I think that they kind of set that up with some screens. I think that they put, I think they've put a lot on tape. And I know Dawa Loggins is somebody that wants to put as much stuff on tape to make teams prepare. And I don't know when it's going to come. My my guess would be it would come against Kentucky or Clemson but I do think you're going to see Luke Doty attempt to pass from behind the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, I don't know if he stays a wide receiver next season. I don't know where else he would go, honestly. Um, I don't think he wants to leave South Carolina, and I'm still talking about Luke Doty here, in case I've been a little bit long-winded. I think he's going to stay a wide receiver, and you know, the hope is that he can contribute in some way, shape, or form. Um, but you know, Gamecocks have a... He might he might just go back to being the backup quarterback. I don't know. I feel for Luke Doty because he never really got his footing at South Carolina. Um, never really got the in game reps he actually needed to be able to prove that he could play quarterback at the SEC level. And with Lenoris there, he's not going to be at the QB one. Um, Glenn says, "Yeah, Bruins logo, you got it. Looking forward to back to back state titles. Coach Marlowe is an excellent coach. Also, very good staff. Yeah." Um, Coach Marlowe is a great, great football coach, and he's a, and you know you hear this all the time: good football coach or great player, better person. But um, you know Drew Marlowe is is a guy that I would definitely send my players, to, my my kids to play for in the future, as if he's still at South Lawrence. I think he has a bright future, uh, at at um, South Lawrence, and I, I'm really excited to watch South Lawrence and maybe get out to some games and and catch them on their playoff run. Uh, Craig says. So I doubt Reno stays after next year if Lenorse is the future, but I hope we can keep him he can really spin it. Yeah. Um you know, I think that the plan for next year is for Dante Reno to redshirt. Um I think he understands the, the benefit of redshirting with his dad being a, a college football coach. Um yeah, so I, I you can never have enough quarterback options, and and look, Lenore Sellers might be good enough to leave after after three years. I don't, I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying it's not it's it's a possibility. Um, so you got Lenore potentially leaving in you know not in two seasons, and not next year, but the year after, and then Dante Reno would be a redshirt sophomore. And I think that Gamecock fans, and I'm not singling you out here, Craig, at all. Um, Gamecock fans in general, and, and fans of a lot of different teams, need to just go ahead and embrace that. You know, if a quarterback transfers out, it sucks, but you can't just hoard quarterbacks. You got to draft, you not draft, but you got to recruit as many top-level quarterbacks as you can, and let the the dust kind of fall where it falls. Um, the Gamecocks still have Landon Duckworth for 2026. Think they're going to probably? They have a good chance of Ryan Montgomery in 2025. Obviously Dante Reno in this class. Uh, I wouldn't get too bummed out if a if a if a quarterback transfers out. You just want to have numbers back there. You want to have three or four quarterbacks at all times. And if you continue to get these four star quarterbacks and kind of stack them up, you're going to have players leave. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried about Dante leaving right now. I think that he has a clear understanding of what's expected of him. He's been probably the top recruiting. Um, prospect for South Carolina and keeping this class together. He wants to be at South Carolina. He understands the football is a developmental sport, so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, I think Colton Gauthier is probably going to stick around um, for um, for another year. Um, I, I can't remember if he graduates or not, but yeah, he's just he's just graduating and the coaches are going to let him stay. Uh, Tanner Bailey, I see that down there, Glenn, um, and I'll come back to you, Carolina Titan, and um, for both years, but. Um, just fits right now. Um, Tanner Bailey is a really good, really good prospect. Uh, I think that he, Luke Doty, and Lenore Sellers will probably duke it out next year. I see Lenore's winning that battle. If you want to talk about a, a kid that could transfer, and I'm not predicting this, but you know, it's not a far reach to say that Tanner Bailey might look at it and say, okay, Lenore Sellers is a starter. Um, I'm already a year ahead of him. You know. What do I want to be a backup? Do I think I can win the job? And and I think if you have a kid like that transfer out, it's probably a good thing to go ahead and get him off the roster and start making plans for the future. But uh, Tanner Bailey is a really good player, and I, I said this in the preseason. You know, I I wouldn't trade South Carolina's quarterback room for any other quarterback room in the SEC right now, and maybe in the country. And I know Texas has Quinn Ewers, and they got Arch Manning, and they got. Yeah, you know, the kid that started this past week with Quinn out. But I don't know if i trade South Carolina's quarterback room for any quarterback room in the country. So if a player leaves, it's just more of a testament to the quarterback room, in my opinion. Um, Carolina Titan says, DL, DL has been a tremendous hire when you think about it. He was an OC in the NFL. And the only difference between Rattler from last year to this year, the NFL coaching experience will help Sellers. Absolutely. I know that Dowell Loggins is licking his chops to coach Lenore Sellers. Obviously, he's licking his chops with Coach Spencer Rattler. It's just a season where the offensive line injuries, um, Juice Wells getting hurt, um, the defense not performing the way that you know we probably thought it had a chance to. Um, it's been a really tough year for Dowell to you know even get much production out of the offense. I'm I'm really encouraged with what Dowell Loggins is doing. I don't want to lose him. Um, and I'm not saying he could go anywhere. I'm just saying like Dowell has been a great improvement. Caroline Titan says, "Also, what is your take on Sellers' brother as a wide receiver? I love, I love Jaden Sellers. He's a gamer. He has grown up with Lenore Sellers. I was talking to Drew Marlowe, South Lawrence coach, and he just said it was very apparent that that Jaden Sellers had been catching passes from Lenore Sellers for a long time because, you know, Lenore throws the ball with a lot of zip, and you know, coming in, you got to remember last year." Um, when Sellers kind of broke out after all those injuries for South Florence, Jaden was a sophomore. And I think he had 11 touchdowns or something like that last year. And a lot of that was on his own ability. Yeah, did Lenore's put the ball in good positions for him? But he has run out for the catch ability. He's shifty. He can go up and get the ball. He's 5'11". I I hope that he recovers from this ACL injury. um, And and there's no reason he shouldn't. But he probably isn't going to put a lot on film next year but I think that he has the mindset to develop and have the ability to um, be a big-time player for South Carolina. I think he's underrated where he's rated right now, Um talking about Jaden Sellers. All right, last question here before we got to get out of here. Uh, Craig says, watched um, Travion Dunbar rush for 330 yards and beat my North Augusta Yellow Jackets. We need to get this guy. He's an SEC back. He has 630 yards and eight TDs in his last game. Look, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on my colleague Hale McGranahan. Um, Hale likes him a lot. Um, Hale doesn't think he's a no brainer um, type player. Uh, if it's me and the Gamecocks are not gonna get Daniel Hill, um, I hope I'm wrong there, but I'm just telling you, I don't think the Gamecocks are gonna get Daniel Hill. Uh, the Gamecocks need to find some backup options at running back. We saw what happened on the transfer market last year, where they, they struck out. Um, I thought they had a really good chance at Logan Diggs. You know, really and truly, that really was a 51-49 LSU versus South Carolina. So, so maybe South Carolina can do some work in the transfer portal. But yeah, I think that taking Dunbar, in my opinion, and nothing against Hale, nothing. I, Hale is great. Hale's a phenomenal reporter. I think he's a really, good, really does a really good job evaluating players. But and look, I've never seen Dunbar in person. Obviously, you have, Craig. But based on, you know. The videos I've seen of him, based on the numbers he's putting up, I think that the Gamecocks better offer him sooner rather than later, get him in the boat because he – I don't think he's going to scare off a transfer portal guy, right? I mean, he's not going to be a four-star running back. Maybe he is in the Shrine game. I don't know. Shrine bowl. Maybe he puts enough in in practice to get that third or fourth star. But, um, yeah, I think you go ahead and take him, and you have Matthew Fuller, and you have those lunch pail kind of guys. They just get after it. So yeah, I would absolutely go ahead and take um, Dunbar, Craig. So, y'all, I really appreciate it. Thank y'all so much for um, hopping on the show tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate all the conversation in the in the chat box. Um, and really quick, um, Phil, uh, Phil actually did let me know about ten minutes ago that Sellers has one game against Furman. So yeah, theoretically he could potentially play. And um the last four games of the season and maybe the bowl game if they, if they don't count that towards um, eligibility. But y'all thank you so much for joining me tonight. The chat box was, was popping. That's always fun to have free flow conversation going. Um, you'll be able to catch this show if you missed it um, on YouTube, obviously, or on, on um, wherever you get your podcast, whenever you have the opportunity to catch up on it. And if this is, you found me later, then, you know, you know where to find us um, every Monday night. We do this at nine o'clock and then, um, Usually around Friday night at 8 p.m., um, Phil releases the Thursday night show to lead us into the weekend. I'm going to be a guest more often on JB, Phil, and um, JC's show on Wednesdays, so check me out there. Um, love talking Gamecocks with y'all. I really appreciate y'all giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. I know that we all have time commitments and things that we got to do, and for you guys to, and gals to spend an hour with me every Monday night it just means more than you'll ever know, and I, I don't take it for granted at all. So thank you all so much for joining me, and um, go Cox, and I'll talk to you on, on Thursday or Friday, and we'll preview this Jacksonville State game. See you later.